This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 85 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and our two guests today hail from different continents altogether, one from Brazil and one from the wine country of California. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I'm with my producer, Coach Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello. How was Debbie today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited about this show. It was really fun to do. We kind of put it together a little bit ago before I went to Brazil, and uh, I want to hear it again, actually, because these guys are great. (laughs) Was, Was the Brazil trip all you wanted it to be and more? And more. Yes. I didn't even get bit by mosquitoes this time, which is really good. <laughs> it's their summer, you know? Oh, yeah. You went down there. It was all in the middle of summer down there. Oh, hot and sticky. It was good, but it was really fun. I mean, uh, do I have stories? Well, I'll have to talk about those, too. But I wanted to hear about Nigel. I, he's been up to some some stuff in the Facebook <laughs> these days. <laughs> I wanted to hear what's he, going he on with Nigel. He was making some headlines. We went ha uh, ha ha headlines. Yeah. yeah. He some headlines. He, we took Scooter and Nigel both out to the Florida horse park recently. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. the, and that's the first time they traveled together somewhere. All right. Yeah. And, uh, neither Nigel nor Scooter are good travelers or good loaders. Yeah. We were working on that, weren't we? we? Working on that. And <laughs> both have made great improvements, particularly when it comes to loading. Scooter just flies right up onto the horse trailer now. He's just, Love it. he's got it figured out. Get it backing out is still stressful mm-hmm. for him, but he really tries hard to be obedient. But mm-hmm. you can tell he's a little bit freaked out. You know, he kind of shakes funny. the um, But we, uh, we loaded up, we got there safely, and we rode around. And if you want to hear about, those adventures we we talked about that a lot on the horses in the morning show it was funny yeah yeah we, we were parked next to some really wild and crazy folk who spent a lot of time galloping <laughs> madly about but Not overall helping. the ride was highly successful we had a great time mm-hmm. and to load up and go home i thought i'd be really clever and say you know let's put scooter on first because we know he loads really well right. and that way because nigel can't get more than six inches from scooter if they're together Nigel is oh, that right? Scooter, not so much, but Nigel's really attached. That way, Nigel will really want to get in the horse trailer. I've got this. Makes good sense, yeah. So we put Scooter on, and Scooter's standing in the horse trailer. And I go to put Nigel on, and Nigel kind of gave me the big eyeballs, but he said, okay, <laughs> you say go in, so I'm going to go in. And he, he diligently takes steps right up into the trailer and gets his, his front hooves just inside the horse trailer. And uh, he, you could tell he had a flashback. Uh, and just yeah. reared straight up in the air and whacked his head on the roof of the Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, on the edge of the horse trailer, right there at the edge of the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, gave himself a big old coconut on his head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, skinned himself up a little bit. A so. little bit, yeah. Is that what you mean by making headlines? Yeah, R-R-R. making headlines. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn very wisely said, let's take Scooter off and put Nigel on first, which we did. And he got on fine. It, I should not have done that. The routine has always been when Nigel gets on the trailer, I have the partition pushed open, so there's lots of room to walk on. Ah, it's a visual thing for him. Okay. Yeah, and it didn't. It doesn't touch him in the sides on the way in. 
You know, mm-hmm. is that, you know how mm-hmm. horses and, and narrow starting gates, horses don't like to be squeezed. On the We've sides. talked about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So he, mm-hmm. his perception is he's being squeezed on the sides, even though it barely touches him. That's enough. You know, yeah. he, and he enough. goes up. He some goes horses up. go back. Some horses I'm mm-hmm. out of here. Uh, so when I got him home, I put a great big old ice pack on his head, and the only way I could hold it there was by by putting it on with a giant green vet rep. Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> that was an ice pack, because when he got home, it looked like somebody had sawed a golf ball in half and attached it to the front of his face. <laughs> Sorry, Nigel. I'm laughing. Yeah. But I know. I know. Darn guys. And, you know, probably a pole protector wouldn't get it there, right? Was, it I was mean, just below his eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Or guys, there is there is a thing we used to have one called, I don't know, face saver or something like that, where you like just for horses like Nigel, <laughs> where yeah. he was down the face and everything because they were all get always getting scratched up. But there isn't much you can do except um, we got to work on. So we could work on the end of pressure thing. You know, um, we've got a thing called the top pole, and I'm going to help you with that because actually we've mm-hmm, top pole trained off pressure pole and then maybe some wings wings work and uh yeah and then he's going to go up so you're going to you know you're going to know that which is good to know so you want him to go up and not hit the the trouble with the end of pressure syndrome we've talked about this before uh is that once they tap that they can actually make a habit of tapping. It's like they're reaching for that pressure point and it's not a good habit. And you, so you don't, yes, you don't, know what yeah, you mean. yeah. Yes. Hopefully he, he's not there and he's old enough that he, you know, yes. won't habituate that, but that's, so now, you know, now knowing that, you know, even funny things like, um, you could build, uh, like two panel areas for him to go through and then put, um, a mesh over the top so that he feels like there is, a a top, but if he hits yeah, it, he it can't it, do any damage. It yeah. doesn't do anything. It doesn't yeah. Reinforce that. I knew it would be terrible. Yes. Yeah. See it, it stops and it hurts my head. Yeah. yeah. And because it doesn't, and then they just don't find any value in it and move on. Yeah. So there's a couple of things we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah. That I, I, now that I, now that you talk about it, whenever I'm riding him about, he can be a little squeamish about now bushwhacking he's fine if i'm out in the woods and we just have to go crashing through brush yeah very he's happy enough. camper doesn't care uh-huh. about but if i have to go through something that feels man-made that's narrow uh-huh he's a little squeamish why yeah and so, he could be born that way too it may not have been that anything because we're what we're doing now is working with horses younger and younger and younger to just um kind of like imprint to that you know so if you know that's going to come up, whether it's trailer loading or a starting gate or uh, going through a stall, you know, going through the door. Uh, it, it is something that you can actually train them to get over. In other words, it's counterintuitive. It's, you know, for them being into pressure animals, it's the opposite of us where we pull, we tend to pull away. They don't, they pu- tend to push into. Yeah. And so everything that might be narrow or um, difficult for them, would be something that you'd want to um, manufacture in a safe setting and do over and over and over and over again so that they just find no value into that into pressure or they just get used to it. You know, it's like, oh, I get what you want now and it's right. not a big deal. I'm not going to hit my hip every time or hit my head every time. The the mm-hmm. the silver lining to the whole okay. episode was I'm, I'm very curious to, to talk to you off the air a little bit about the mechanics of, of building some things for him to practice through. Um, okay. The silver lining was that all of the 
training that we've done since I got him to help him get over his loading more so than trailering issues. It is taking effect because after he whacked his head and he kind of freaked me out because I was pretty sure he'd broken his nose. Yeah. Um, we, we took stock for a moment and we walked around and took a deep breath mm-hmm. and set th- configured things the way he's used to it with the with scooter out and the, the partition away. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some dually dances back and forth yeah, on the tailgate and back and forth. And I, I had to work very hard at keeping my adrenaline low because I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I yeah. just killed my horse. Yeah. Um, and and then, I still have to put him on the trailer. And I still have to put him on the trailer. <laughs> and then he just walked right on. Uh, he took a deep breath. He walked nice. right on. He said, oh, I've got this. This is how we do this. I still trust you. You're not mad at me. You're not going to hit me. And Scooter's not on there this time. And, so that's and, good. Yeah, Scooter was standing right there looking at him. So he felt comfortable because yeah. he was standing right yeah. there staring at him and through the through the door. But he, he had all that space that he wanted. But it was nice that he didn't look at me and go, see, I told you you would hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. You hadn't lost that trust. That's Yeah. Good. So that was big because when I got him. He would get in and out of the trailer, and he he would throw his head up, and he would hit his head no matter where he was in the trailer when I got him. And he would look at me. He's like, see, I told you you would hurt me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know that look. Yeah, that <laughs> face he would make. So for the, even though I, I caused us to take a step back because I didn't think that through, I didn't lose a lot of ground in that, yeah, he whacked his head, knock on wood, he didn't break anything. Yeah. But all that prep work was not wasted. Blah. Yes, exactly. You know? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, now, you know, how could you know, really, that 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 would be a better way? I mean, you might have intuited it. But really, I, I can understand you're you're trying to get Scooter, you know, just doing different things. It, it never hurts to do different things. It's just always better if you don't do them when you're away from home. Right. If you could help. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was watching some videos yesterday with uh, the co-host of Mythbusters, Adam Savage. Yeah. And he does a whole talk, and I think it was one of, was it DEFCON 17 or something, or Comic-Con or one of those, about yeah. failure and how you, you learn from failure. And That's I was feeling true. like a bit of a schmuck after that big old episode until I, I listened to this. And he talks about how you can take failure and you learn from it and you move on. I said, okay, okay. good point. I learned that getting into the trailer for him was an issue at a different level than I thought it was. I thought it was yeah. because he didn't like being locked in the trailer and taken away, but it, there is a, an element of being squeezed through a small shoot that yeah. area. That's part of what it is. And I didn't realize that. So I've learned from it and now right. we can move on from there and, and working, work on some things that have that similar feel, mm-hmm. um, but, only one ingredient at a time. Maybe they're not going to include the ramp or the fact that we're going to close the door behind him. <laughs> yeah, right. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, yeah and, and it makes sense. It's a natural reaction, uh, and just some horses have it, you know, more sensitive than others. So good for you. Yeah. It's only failure if you don't learn from it. So there we you're go. right. Thank you. Yeah. I needed that. <laughs> You already got it. You're fine. You're fine. Well, let's get on. So we've got a couple of interesting guests. Let's get on with it. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride 
and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Tracy Hawkins grew up in California's wine country, Sonoma County. And from a young age, she helped in the family's restaurant. Naturally, wine was a part of life. And the family purchased a 1,300-acre property, which is now home to Hawk and Horse Vineyards. She and her husband, Mitch, eventually began running the ranch and developing Hawk and Horse Vineyards with the support of their family. So Tracy and Mitch now work closely together in all aspects of wine production, from farming and harvest decisions to the winemaking, where Tracy serves as the executive winemaker, having had the opportunity to work with some of the best wine makers in the industry. Tracy also enjoys competing in amateur rodeo and gymkhana events, as do her kids. And Mitch and Tracy have three children whom they raise in close relationship to the land and the family business that they love. Well, welcome, Tracy Hawkins. We're so pleased to have you on. You're, you have a storied career in the wine industry, but I know a little bit about your background in horses, which is why we have you on today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Debbie. Yes, you do. And I remember you coming out to the ranch years ago with your dad and the honor of meeting him and the fun we had with your crew out there. Well, that's nice. I thought you were going to say the honor of meeting Shy Boy, but that too, right? <laughs> that too. And we still have his picture up on our wall at our big family home on the ranch. Oh, do you? You have a beautiful place out there. Yeah, just to, to give a little background with, between Tracy and Monty and your husband, Mitch, and me and Lake County. Uh, a few years ago, we were brought in by the school district, actually some specifically some teachers who said, help, help, you know, we, we want to um, tell kids that, you know, violence is never the answer and some great messages that Shy Boy has certainly taught us as well as a lot of the horses. And uh, Tracy and her husband, Mitch, kindly put us up, didn't you? <laughs> It was so fun to have your group, and we just fortunately had a beautiful facility that um, came with our property. That's not even why we bought it, but yes, we had the group of teachers there and your dad and your crew a couple of times. It's beautiful, and so it, this is in Northern Cal. So as we said, Tracy grew up in Sonoma County, and and you know you, you could go to Napa and be a tourist, but this is not where Tracy and Mitch live. It's up in the hills a little bit too, and um, with beautiful log home, and you had a barn out there. So is is that what got you into horses? Well, I always loved horses. When I was really little, my parents um, bought a farm that came with 13 Shetland ponies, and I think I got oh. the bug. I used to just get on and sit on their back, and um, no saddle. We didn't exactly ride. They were just more like a big dog to yeah. us, I think. And so <laughs> I always had it, and I always loved it. And then when we bought the ranch, my stepdad, David Boyce, purchased the ranch in the early 80s. Um, it came with a couple of horses and I was so excited it was going to be my opportunity. And I did. I started learning to ride. I took some lessons and fast forward when the kids um, came into our lives. It was just such a great family thing to do is mm. have horses on the property. And they really bring our ranch to life. When you're 
when you're farming and, and we're farming a specific um, crop being wine grapes, um, it's intense, it's a lot of work, there's a lot going on. So to bring in the horses and have that outlet, it just beautified everything for us. It made our lives feel just so enriched and and we love it. And we, and we still ride. And you still ride. Do you ride all together? Does Mitch get up on a horse too? Mitch will do a trail ride with us, but Bless the girls heart. and I, since uh, I think that when we met you, the kids were pretty little and they were kind of yeah. trail riding. I think Nina was still at that stage where she'd sit on the saddle in front of me and just hold on to the horn mm-hmm. while I did a trail ride. But they're both rodeo champions now. I can't believe it. I mean, I can't even believe they're big enough to be rodeo champions, but right. uh, yeah. So they're doing Gymkhana and, and amateur rodeo, right? Or they exactly they do okay. um, four events. They do barrel racing, pole bending, goat tying, and cutting. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing really great. Little Francesca, she's fifteen now, and she's going oh. to state finals in cutting. And Nina is twelve, and she's very close. We've got a couple more rodeos, and we'll see if she's getting ready to go to state finals in pole bending. Um, and I won my first belt buckle last year, so I'm pretty excited. And what was that in? That was for a 10-week uh, rodeo series where every Friday night you show up with your horse and you compete in three events, pole bending, bell racing, and goat tying, which I uh, competed in against a group of women called 18 and over. And so at, at 52, I was pretty excited to win the belt buckle. But <laughs> you first beat out some battle. Oh, okay. I did. So I did. <laughs> how how I old was the lady price. who got the saddle? Like 18 and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Francesca has won a saddle in that same series. So the kids are doing great. And I remember, and I will never forget when your dad came out, of course, meeting your dad was amazing. And I got to do some work with him along with the teachers that day. But on a previous visit, sort of a recon visit, I think when your crew first came out, I got to work with one of your dad's protégés. And really, um, she took me and one of our horses into our round pen and showed me exactly what join up was. And I think we'd been instinctively doing a lot of those things, but not all of those things. And now I feel like it's become a part of how we just work with our horses every day, always looking, listening, watching their um, body language and a tilt of an ear and things that that your dad um, and, you know, reading his books and things has taught us. And it's really been incorporated into how we ride and not just ride, but how we are with our horses. It's not just the ride part. You know what I mean? It's the Mm -hmm. whole thing. How you're present with the horses, yeah. So we'll give credit to Sally King, who um, Sally King was our certified instructor, who was staying, who was teaching at the school in Solvang at the time. But she's from New Zealand originally. Um, That's right. And, yeah, and she helped us by. You're right. She went up reconnaissance first just to see if there was a um, facility uh, that we we could use just to house the horses, essentially. But you had a beautiful facility and. Um, we did come up and I remember she had just settled into that log cabin, that beautiful home. It's really not a log cabin at all. It's, it's a huge log home. And I thought she was just going to move in with you. <laughs> she, <Aww. laughs> she, she definitely could have <laughs> very sweet and put together that, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because here's, here's a lady, you that grew up with ponies at least and horses. Um, but 
kind of got back into it right about the time when you were influenced by Sally King and by dad and by the horses. And, and how do you think that's shaping how you um, raise your kids these days? Well, actually, um, when you mentioned Sally's name, I remember the biggest compliment I've had as a parent, I think, came from Sally. We took her on a tour in the vineyard with a couple of other of your dad's staff, and we were all in um, the big uh, you know, Chevy truck and drove up the mountain to the vineyard with the kids, and they were getting a little ruckusy and things, and I was just you know, dealing with that. And Sally said to me, you know, she watched me for a minute, and she said, you parent a lot like how my dad works yeah. with the horses. And that was like such an honor. But I think when you're a parent, at least when I was a young parent, I read a lot of books and I met with a lot of other moms and we talked about parenting a lot. And and then pretty soon you get some great um, input and then pretty soon it just becomes a part of how you do it and you don't really think about it anymore. And I feel like about the time I met Sally, I was really learning about horses, even though I'd had them in my life a little bit. I hadn't really gotten that into it. And so it was really great timing to to meet with your dad and Sally and to have her work with me like that because I think it has influenced us in that way where at first you're really conscious of it and you're reading about it and you're looking at it. And I did a lot of your dad, you know, watched a lot of your dad's videos online in the beginning and then it just becomes integrated with how we are with the horses and how we work with the horses. And I've noticed that, especially in rodeo, we we wear spurs. Um, we don't usually have a crop, um, but the girls will sometimes have a little popper, what we call a popper. It's a rope crop, but they don't use it on the horse. There's one horse that's kind of slow and lazy, and so my daughter will just pick it up, and when she mm-hmm. sees it, <laughs> she just kind of sees it. And other than that, it hangs off the um, horn of the saddle. But mm-hmm. we don't do a lot of kicking. We don't do a lot of pu- – I mean, the horses really seem to love it. They like us. They like working. And some of the old guys – one of the things that I, I wish I would talk with your dad about is like – at least some of the old cowboys around here, they say like the horse is working towards we use of pressure. And I agree with that. But the cowboys here say also like, they're kind of also working to go back to the barn and back to the, but when we're done riding and we put the horses away, they really rather follow us around the ranch. Yeah. And I've, I've actually put one on a halter a number of times and just bring them around with me on my feeds and different mm-hmm. errands I'm doing. And I'm not even riding. I'm just dragging this horse around. Well, not dragging, but just <laughs> like a dog. join me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I think they do want to be with us if if we don't do anything to ruin that and they trust us. I think they do like being with us. I think they are they social. They want to go back. Yeah, social animals that way too. And um, some more than others, but sounds like you, you've done a good job with them too. And I know that people who um, might be listening from another country or from the East Coast think uh, we're, we're crazy wild, wild west kind of people with these rodeos and these gym kind of events and everything. But, um, you know, I, I think they can hear in your voice that you love your horses. So what is it about um, rodeo? I mean, ha- how are you these days adapting to loving your horses and not pummeling them, but still competing at a high level. You're winning the buckles and, and uh, championships. Well, first of all, where we are in Northern California, 
I feel like there is a lot of kindness in um, in the rodeo scene, and I think that we're you know you might watch movies about the Wild West, but that's not what we're seeing. And pretty much everybody feels that way. And once in a while, a girl will go in um, with with more of a, a crop or a whip, and um, you'll see them. It's called an over and under, maybe where it's a long whip, mm-hmm. and they're they're kicking and spurring and whipping. And for me, as an athlete, like I grew up running, when my body is tight. I don't run as well. Mm-hmm. If something, if if my tack isn't fitting, you know, the horse is experiencing stress or if they're afraid or if they're being, every time we kick hard or whip hard, I feel like their muscles have to tighten up. And mm-hmm. I certainly can't run as fast when I'm tight or being prodded. Right. So, so um, at least all of the people that we're around mostly feel like, um, there's a saying, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's something like "flow is fast." Because yes. when you go, especially for like, for where um, events that require precision, like bell racing and pole bending, if you go smooth and slow, you will not knock down a pole. You'll stay on your pattern, and then when you come home, you can go really fast. And honestly, the horses love it. We 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 squeeze with our leg. We kind of put our head down and and reach forward with the loose rein. And those horses bring it for me. I don't have to kick. I don't have to whip. They they love it. And so I feel mm-hmm. like um, in our circle, we we do end up talking about that as as we see a kid go in where their horse is kind of jacked up at the gate and things like that. And mm-hmm. And it isn't really necessary, but we we found for sure it's not really necessary for us. Just yeah. like I said, you know, we do. I will say we do have the, the all a full range of of equipment, and um, but we don't often. You, I, I mean, I say don't often. I can't really think where we use it on a horse. Like I said, we'll we'll lift up that little popper, and and the horse will see it and know, like. Okay, here I go. And I don't even know what that's about, honestly. Your dad could probably tell me why that works because they've not really been. Yeah, well, the popper. They're, they're <laughs> smarter than us. <laughs> they they understand these. You know, th- there's a lot of cues that we give that they don't even know we're giving. And visual cues, auditory cues. Um, we use a thing called the giddy up rope, which is a little soft yarn at um, now Jen is going to make it home too but we you know we have this soft yarn that's braided and it has a fluffy end to it and it makes a lot of visual uh woof, woof, you know it's and the it, pony pom pom it's the pony you know pom pom Jen that's almost exactly what I'm just we call it a popper but we don't actually pop it and it, it is it's braided rope and then at the end it's fluffy and yeah. so when she brings that up, that it it is maybe it like looks like a little fly. She'll see it out of the corner of her eye, the horse. Exactly. But, um, this kid that just that reminds it, them. Yeah, it just reminds. My daughter them. Nina is twelve, and she weighs under a hundred pounds, and she's <laughs> riding a horse that weighs one thousand two hundred pounds or so. So, um, yeah. and that's the other thing that just amazes me is that these big, gentle giants will. They just, it, it almost, it just makes my heart sing, you know, that they're willing to look to me and do what I ask. And so for me, it feels really important to honor that and be thankful for that and to respect that and be as yeah. kind as possible. Yeah. And I think they're willing to partner with us. I think that once they understand and we've imparted what we're, what we're having fun doing out there, then they get it and, and they have fun doing it too. And it goes into the muscle memory so that it becomes a sport along with them. And some horses love the sport more than others, but we're always trying to, we just think of horses as horses. Do you have quarter horses? 
We have American saddlebreds um, and quarter horses, and then we have two paint horses. Oh, fun. Fun. Well, tell us a little bit about, now you've, you've got this vineyard called Hawk and Horse. So we get the horse part. I don't know about the hawk part, but tell us how that evolved out of your, out of this beautiful ranch. Well, um, as I said, my stepdad, David Boys purchased the property in the 80s, and he was really looking for two things, a family compound, because our family is spread out all over the U.S. and now actually abroad as well. And um, he wanted a place that we could all gather and enjoy each other. And he'd always dreamed of having a vineyard. So when we saw this property, it had everything beautiful for a vineyard, um, especially for Bordeaux-style wines like Cabernet Sauvignon. So... We um, were beginning to make plans for this, and you're thinking, well, what do you name a vineyard? And at that time, everything Tuscany was really popular in Northern California, and there was a lot of Italian influence here. And, of course, there's always been a French influence in the wine industry, but we really wanted to be something that was authentic to our place. And it was actually my oldest daughter, Autumn, who was about 8 or 10 at the time, and our ranch had been an old equestrian facility way before we bought it. But we also have these amazing red-tailed hawks in Lake County that mm. actually really help us in the vineyard. And she had said to me one day, what about hawks and horses, Mommy? Mm. And my husband and I looked at each other and we went, that's it, hawk and <laughs> horse. And we ran it by the family and everyone loved it. So, How could you not? What, what do the hawks do for you on the property? So Mice? we have red-tailed hawks and they hunt gophers. So we, we actually encourage a biodiversity. We're organic and biodynamic um, certified. So we work with nature inside of the vineyard to um, just increase that biodiversity. We'll put out hawk perches so that the hawks have a place to perch mm-hmm. and hunt during the day. And then we also use owl boxes so that um, and owls are nocturnal, as we know, and they hunt the same things in the night. So we kind of mm-hmm. hit it from both directions. 24-7, you've got those little critters running, huh? Little helpers, absolutely. <laughs> How are you holding up in all this rain? We've been hearing about Northern Cal underwater. You all right? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm actually just, um, you called me just when I'm writing my newsletter for my wine club members, and I'm talking about that. And because our vineyard is um, at about, tops out at about 2,200 feet elevation, and because mm-hmm. it's all rocky red volcanic soil. We have beautiful drainage. Mm, um, also, the organic and biodynamic farming um, helps because we grow a lot of really thick, healthy ground cover, and that just slows the rain as it hits the earth. It um, mm. draws that down deep into the earth, and then when it hits that rocky bed, it all just goes deep. So we're getting a really good soaking. I will say, though, it's exciting and not as fun and exciting for some who have been evacuated because yeah. uh, beautiful Clear Lake has actually flooded its banks. Oh, goodness. Um, today it's sunny and things things dry out really quickly here, so that's the good news. But people have been evacuated. I think there have been two separate evacuations for about mm-hmm. a day or two in some of the low-lying areas. But um, everyone's safe and everyone's really thankful for the rain. And, and I think yeah. because of the dry years, we're all saying... You know, just thanks. we prayed for it, didn't we? We prayed for yes, it in spades. We, <laughs> we played really hard and we got answered really hard, didn't we? We did, we did. Feast or famine around here in California, I guess. But I'm glad you're you didn't float away on us. And and should people come? Are do you take public there at Horse and Hawk, or 
would they are there areas around that area to visit? Because it is a beautiful, beautiful county. It is a really beautiful and up and coming wine region. The wine quality is off the charts, and it's kind of a still um, sleepy, quiet region where you'll walk into a small winery and maybe meet the owner or the winemaker in person. Kind of like maybe, I mean, we're in Lake County, which borders both Sonoma and Napa counties, and so we're kind of like those regions 20 years ago. So we are open to the public by appointment, so they would have to call, text, or email um, to make that appointment. But um, if we are unavailable or if we're booked up for tours on any given day, we direct people to our neighbors, and we have some amazing and really wonderful wineries to visit in Lake County, some that operate as full-on ranches where there are cattle and horses like what we do, but, um, you know, just slightly different, um, mm-hmm. many different varietals. We we specialize in red wines, and there are a number of wineries that specialize in white wines. There's actually a champagne house. So mm-hmm. um, there are some great resources, of course, the Lake County Chambers of Commerce, and there's a website for the Lake County Winery okay. Association. And Okay, and so here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. If I got a small group of women who have horses and want to go riding, would that be an appropriate thing in your area? If we wanted to go up there and stay a few days and I don't know if we could stay on our horse, but if we did wine tastings around, could you, could you, absolutely. And if you didn't want to trailer in a good friend of mine has a small ranch where she would trailer out and she's got a beautiful, you would love her too, because she takes such great care of her horses. And she was my kids trainer when they were little, so, yes, that would be an amazing thing. There are yeah. beautiful trails and public parks with riding trails all throughout Lake County. Um, equestrian pursuits are a big deal in Lake County. Um, oh. Just to give you an example, Middletown has a central park. It is not a baseball uh, diamond. It is not a football field. It is a rodeo arena. So, okay. a, yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I would welcome that, and maybe off air, if you want to um, email me, I would love to help you do that, and and I would beg to join you. So. Okay, ladies. My okay, here we go. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. We've been looking for a new place. Just, just ride from go. winery to winery. Why not you do you do that? You know, castle to castle when you're in Europe. Just ride That's from right. winery to winery. Awesome. I've never done that before either. I would love to do that. I, you know, and no seat belts allowed, so you can't drink too much. But <laughs> no, we're riding exactly. our horses. Exactly. No I, I highly encourage it. And and um, you know, I'll just plug Lake County too because it's so beautiful. And the last two years, we had so many big fires. But Lake County people are strong and resilient and, and really beautiful people. And um, we're looking for all sorts of economic development in the county. In fact, there are um, a lot of people talking about, and I think this is going to happen, and developing a new equestrian center in the region. So Ooh, okay. um, we, we are welcoming all equestrians. There we of go. All levels Jeez. and, and um, disciplines. So okay, we don't have to come. have our own buckle one or anything, right? We can just come, come, come as we are. Lovely. Absolutely. Horse lovers. Horse lovers, welcome. Okay, that sounds great. That sounds great. I will. Um, stay tuned. We'll we'll be talking by email right after this show, and it must be five o'clock somewhere. So those red wines are calling me. All right, Tracy. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. It was really fun to get to hear your voice again and catch up a little bit and um, hope we get to see you this year. You too, Debbie. Thank you so much too. And it's always great talking. I'm going to be looking for my email from you soon. There we go. Say hi to Mitch and the kids. I will do it. Cheers. Thank you. And, And give your dad a big hug.
I will, sweetie. Okay. All right. Bye. Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh, growing grasses, which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horse Shine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horse Shine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Miguel Lubiana was born in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, and today he lives in Brasilia, Brazil's capital. He started dealing with horses when he was a child in his grandfather's farm. He became a professional horse trainer at the age of 17, and since then, it's been more than 30 years working with all breeds of horses. Now, Miguel became the first Latin American Monty Roberts certified instructor in April of 2015. Miguel's location right in the center of Brazil allows him to travel throughout the country now, South and Central America as well. And he gives courses, clinics, he does horse training, lectures, presentations, and demonstrations. So I'm here with Miguel Lupiano. And um, I'm going to bring him in in a second, but I just wanted to give a little background. Miguel is, uh, what What year were you certified, Miguel? I was in April 2015. April 2015. So you hear that beautiful Portuguese <laughs> accent that he's got, but he, he has learned his English and learned his lessons well and graduated now as, we call it, it's a master's in horsemanship because to know everything enough to be graduated as a Monty Roberts certified instructor is quite an education. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And uh, it's uh, it's very nice to know and know new things in, in uh, the horse business. So Miguel came to our Monty special training, we call it, before mm -hmm. he ever got into the certification program. That's right. Was interested in the concepts and came up here really to help his son maybe learn a little bit more before bringing him up because he was in vet school at the time. Am I remembering that correctly? Or was going into vet school? Yeah, I was in the vet school and I had I was a manager in a big ranch, a horse ranch in Brazil. And in that time I came and I saw a few things I really like it. So I decided to become uh, an instructor. Yeah, and he's done very well. So I wanted to pull Miguel aside today. We're um, actually in the midst of our Certified Instructors Conference here at Flag is Up Farms in Solving. So Miguel has flown all the way up from Brasilia, Brazil. You're up in the northeast of Brazil, right? Yeah. It's beautiful up there. And he's come all this way to not only take part in the conferences, but also help us with our Horses and Healing program and also to launch and train in the Lead Up program. So um, how many times have you now attended a Horses and Healing for our veterans and first responders? 
Well, uh, the first time wasn't the first time I was here for the with the Monty special training with Brazilians, and Monty invited me to come and and see the, the this program. In that time, it had another another name, and so I was so interested on that, and I was thinking maybe I can use something down there in Brazil, and well, now we have a very good program over there. You sure do, and then. What got you interested in the lead-up program that you're up here for, too? Well, uh, I think it's uh, because uh, the lead-up is uh, going to be a very good program with uh, helping people uh, through the horses, you know. And the Mont Concepts are helping us a lot with, with that. And probably uh, in the, if we be together with lead up and our program in Brazil, we can develop more of that thing and learn more about those things and can help uh, those kids or the police officers can pass through some traumas they have. Oh, nice. So you're talking a lot about the human-to-human elements of the uh, equestrian training programs that, uh, that you're involved in. Did you originally get into uh, the the certification process because you wanted to work with people? No, it's funny because I'm always I was a, a horse man. I work with horses I, all my life, and be sure I don't like much people. <laughs> so uh, everything changed, and now I work more with people than uh, with horses. But uh, I think it's a it's a good thing. Uh, we learn more, and uh, we cannot help horses if you cannot work with the people, and and we can help people when we work with the horses. So uh, everything changed very fast. Everything changed for you, <laughs> and you're so brave, and you've been such a good student of all that too, and very um, a very good sport about the whole thing, as we say. Um, one thing that I think has been fascinating when I'm uh, fortunate enough to go down to Brazil and, and meet y'all is that uh, there are so few women in the industry. It's it's almost like the time, you know, it's day and night here. So we have so many women in the business, hardly any men. And then you go down to South America and it's like not only did the calendar change from summer to winter, but the women changed to men down there. It's all men in the business. And I was fascinated at first. I thought too bad because I think there's a lot of very talented women that would love to be in the industry, but because of traditional reasons and, and, um, maybe heritage, that you didn't have women involved. But actually, it started to make sense to me when I saw how strong that you had to be to work in the traditional methods. But that leaves opportunity for women then, doesn't it? So what are you seeing change in Brazil, at least in your experience with your courses? Yes. Uh, the first time I came to the United States, I live, uh, I was living in Minnesota, and uh, I took some classes in uh, Minnesota University. And the first time I, I went inside the class, only women there. I said, I, I think I'm in the wrong place because I came from Brazil and <laughs> all, all business there is men, 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 men. So I, I think I, I was wrong with the class I took, but was right. And you're, you're right. Uh, in Brazil, 
I think it's all Latin America. The, it's uh, when the people work with uh, traditional ways. Uh, it's you have to be tough. You have to be strong, uh, and the women they cannot have chance to lead with that kind of uh, methods. So now uh, we start doing classes in Brazil clinics and teach the people how to use to use the methods and more safely things, more easy and. I'm looking that the, the women came more for the classes, you know, and everything changed because the beginning, there's a few, one, two, three, or less than that, uh, some kind of vet, vet student or something. Veterinarian. Yeah, yeah, and a veterinary student. But then uh, the, my last intro course over there, uh, we had four uh, women and one man. So Crazy. it's it's a big change, and uh, now I I can see in all the, all the clinics I have average twelve to fifteen people in the classes. It's fifty fifty, you know, uh, and it's it's nice because uh, they have uh, opportunity to start the horse because they love horses. And well, it's uh, the. All my time, I know the the women. They have more sensibility to work with the animals, and now they have opportunity with this uh, Monty Roberts uh, methods, the join up and everything, to start the horse and start all training since the beginning until the end. And and the girl, the women there, they love to do that, mm -hmm. and they change a lot change a lot and you are going to be at the forefront of changing the way that the industry is probably going to look 20 years from now which is great because i think for horses that's a good thing don't you it is it is a good thing and uh, more people involved involved on that and uh, sometimes uh, it's like here in the united states in the united states uh, the men they have to work with the crops or the cattle and the the wife doesn't have nothing to do at the farm so it's not good for them and i think it's a good idea to start to work with the horses and going to be good for the horses going to be good for the horse business and training and everything good good i love it that uh, i get to meet you and that i get to meet a, a, somebody who is a a change agent down in, in South America and specifically Brazil, but I bet it'll seep into some other borders as well. So tell us a little bit about working with the kids. How did you get involved with working with the kids in your programs? Well, we have a program there. Uh, we call it uh, Galope da Esperança. It means, let's say if I can translate that, it's uh, Gallop of Hope. And uh, we work more with the... Uh, Violent uh, people came from uh, some domestic violence, and uh, with a friend Sonia, it's a, a girl, <laughs> and she was here. I met her here, one of those uh, uh, Monte Special Training for Brazilians. So we trying to do something in the beginning, and I told her about this uh, Hot Sense and Healing program, and said, "Well, maybe we can use with the kids." So we be in touch with the, the, those uh, kind of uh, shelters over there and just start 
thinking and uh, we use methods and we have some nice people work with us over there, psychologists, care people. And the people, uh, the kids, they change a lot. I don't know what happened. Uh, I can't, I'm not a, a, a specialist on that, but uh, you can see the, the, the kids, they change, they uh, think a little bit more. Uh, we had an experience, one kid had 14 years old in the second or, yeah, I think it was in our second session with the join up things. And he came to us and said, you know something? Today I learned how to control my angry. Mm-hmm. And think about that. One kid with 14 years old, he cannot control his angry. Mm-hmm. It's so much. And with the horse and with this program, he could. Mm-hmm. So, well, was for me was so fantastic. And I think it's a big motivation to continue this work and continue this program down there. Oh, I hope so too. Did he become this boy in particular? Did he become attached to a particular horse or what, what, what opened up his heart? Uh, we show him, uh, join up and we made, uh, some kind, of work with him and the horses. Uh, I was with, because they are small. I had to be with them in the round pan and uh, he knows he can control a big animal, mm-hmm. uh, five, six hundred pounds, and with don't do nothing uh, to scared or to hurt that that animal. And he saw uh, that animal was more afraid of, uh, about him than him about the the animal. So that thing I think changed a lot of things in his in in his mind. And now he works with us. He is a volunteer guy. Every everywhere we go in the northeast, he is there and talk with everybody and help us with everything. And yes, uh, I think he he said the last time for me, "I'll be a good man." I said, "Yeah, I hope so." Ah, uh, that's fantastic! He's committing to be a good man. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a, a good thing. Uh, if they start thinking, yeah. they can made some change. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the key of the successful or resocialization uh, or whatever what the people call, mm-hmm. but to be a good citizen, you know, good person. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, it's uh, the most important thing. Fantastic. So that's what horses and that's what Miguel Lupiano does for a living. So what is the future for this? What, what is your future? Well, uh, the things going so fast. Sometimes I'm scared about that. Yeah. And now we have some uh, police officers work with us, and uh, the idea is to put those kids with uh, the policemen together. And because in Brazil we have some kind of violence between those, and because they are afraid for each other. And I hope with uh, the police come uh, to our program. Uh, gonna help us, and we have a public uh, space facility okay. in, in, the, in those cav- uh, police cal- cavalry to work with this, those kids, and I think it's, it's gonna be very good in the future because, let's say, uh, both sides they don't they don't gonna have a, a future enemy. Uh-huh. 
And so this is the children and the police are at odds. Well, this is this is um, systemic in our country as well, and I bet we don't have an exclusive on it either. Yes. Uh, yeah, because it's too much violence around. And I think if they, they start thinking about it's a human being for the, the other side, they have family, they have kids, and the kids have family too. And if they start thinking more about who is the other side, that other people uh, could be uh, so bad like they think they are and have a, a better relationship and, and we can think a little bit more with uh, violence and uh, take all, all the violence for our of both sides of lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an education. And we say senseless violence all the time, but that, that presumes that you've thought about it. And I think sometimes these things are um, just an educational process and a, and a meeting of minds. So thank you for doing everything that you're doing to introduce them, to introduce horses into the lives of women and children and other men down there as well. And um, good luck with growing the concepts down there. And thank you for your work you're doing up here as well. Well, uh, thank you, because uh, if I, I wasn't here, if I didn't come here, I cannot learn so much about that. Yeah. Thank you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I have a six-month-old colt. Should I be doing join-up with him yet? Monty's answer. The process of establishing a relationship with your foal through join-up should begin once your foal has been successfully weaned and no longer calls out for his mother. Done properly, join-up will create a lifelong understanding between weanling and human. One or two join-up sessions should be enough to develop a trust-based relationship. Keep in mind that too many sessions will be counterproductive. Your foal will have the short concentration span typical of babies of all species. So any work done needs to reflect this. After completing join up, you can develop your foal skills at leading, being handled all over and having his feet picked up. I recommend that at this age, your foal have a natural life, spending lots of time at pasture with other horses. If you follow these guidelines, you should have a happy, well-adjusted individual ready to begin his life with humans. A couple of join-ups at weaning time should be very helpful and allow you to get through the growing up phase of your horse in good order. Should you experience difficulties between, let's say, 8 months and 24 months, a couple more join-ups might be beneficial. Schooling to the dually halter can also make life a lot easier for both you and your young horse. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you. 
on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Germany, April 7th, April 9th, April 20th, and April 22nd. He will be all over Germany and in between. And then April 30th, he is in Hungary. He's going to be a, doing a demonstration in Kaposvar. I'm sure I said that wrong, but there it is. And it, it, it's where he's been before. It's a wonderful venue. Then May, ni- May 13th, he is back in California for a night of inspiration. And uh, we do those well, a couple times a year, and they are so much fun. In fact, people are already writing us and saying it's time to come back. So and then July 10 through 21, Gentling Wild Horses course, the famous now Gentling Wild Horses course. We've got some new horses coming in from another area, too, which will be fun. Oh, and then yeah, I know. It's fun. I love to see all the little guys coming in, all rough and messy. And July 31st to August 1st is, is Monty's special training in uh, California. And the Monty special training this year, too, we're going to have a bunch of Brazilians coming up. Because when we were down there in Brazil a few weeks ago, we got lots of people saying, see you in August, see you in August. So that'll be really fun, too. Multinational. Yeah. Always is. It's awesome. really fun. And you it's can really find fun. out this and so much more at the website, which is MontyRoberts.com. Or you can speak with a real, live, helpful human being out there at Flag is Up Farms in California. And the phone number there is 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to the website of horsemanshipradio.com, where we will have links, pictures, and more information about our guests today. And we love your feedback. If there's a topic you want us to chat about or a person you'd love to have us on the have Debbie have on the show, just contact us. You can either contact us through the website at uh, MontyRoberts.com or through the Facebook. Facebook for Monty Roberts. Just search Monty Roberts. Or you can tweet him and his handle is Monty underscore Roberts. Got you covered. Got it covered. That's right. And don't ever miss an episode. Download the Horse Radio Network app for your phone, either an Android or a iPhone. Just Mm -hmm. search iTunes. iTunes, And you can subscribe via iTunes. So just go to your your app store and search Horse Radio Network and you can download. It's free. Or you can listen via iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Yeah, there you go. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty's Equus Online University. That's how Kate found out about us. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 